Hello, this is Chuck from Above the Basement Boston Music and Conversation. This is our second conversation with a former guest that we thought was important to have due to recent events. We spoke with Ashley Gordon, a violist, activist, and founder and artistic director of Castle of Our Skins, a Boston-based concert and educational series devoted to celebrating black artistry through music. We wanted to talk to Ashley about how she's doing with life in the time of COVID, as well as her thoughts on the recent protests stemming from the murder of George Floyd. So here is our conversation with Ashley Gordon, recorded virtually in her respective abodes in Boston, Massachusetts. How are you? I'm good. Today today has been a lot. Um, a lot of this, my, my sort of general wake up and sleep mode is being overwhelmed. One from from things that are going on in the, in this country, but also the attention that that it's drawing to Castle of Our Skins. Yeah, trying to just literally stay on top of communication, on top of follow ups, on on top of my own bandwidth, and um, having a bigger spotlight being shown on us right now. Yeah, the reason why I'm doing this, we don't have to talk for an hour. I just want to talk for you for a little bit. I wanted to catch up with a bunch of people, and it was initially because of COVID. And actually, Ron, my co-host, and that's actually how I met you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that he was made chief medical officer uh, for Boston Hope. You know Boston Hope? I do know Boston Hope, yeah. I didn't know that he was um, appointed that position. Yeah, so he was, when they opened up that off-site um, area there, um, mm-hmm. and Dr. Lisa Wong. Do you know Lisa Wong? Mm-hmm. Yes, so she was very much involved with that. So they were bringing in musicians to play for the doctors, nurses, and the people who were were healing. So it was great. So he's been taken out of my grasp and has been working Mm -hmm. doing that, which is great. But so that was the initial thing. I wanted to talk to people how they're doing in COVID and how it wrecked their plans and what they're doing to get around those plans. But since then, we've had this whole um, horrible thing with George Floyd and protests that have been going on and just calamity why don't we start off with the easy stuff which is covid it wasn't so easy before now it's now it's a piece of cake now technically right. when it hit where were you with with castle where were you with your own music did it throw a wrench into the machine that was moving forward for you like it did for a lot of people what, what yes happened? yes and yes and yes to, to all of that um march 12th i got my first email to say that march 14th concert that we had been planning and two world premieres canceled. And then from there, it was literally a pile of dominoes just thrown into into a river, not even one after the other, just everything all at once. So a tour um, got canceled with a Far Cry, which was uh, something that we were excited about doing. Yeah, I and love the Far Cry. They're great. They're, they're amazing. A, a, a concert that we were going to bring to uh, DC at the Phillips Collection, very specific, site-specific related to their artwork uh, with Castle of Our Skins that had to get moved. And then everything else, the spring for a freelance performer is the hottest hottest time mm. uh, in terms of work and in terms of performances and teaching obligations and, and, and those sorts of things. So that very much all at once got canceled as both a freelance performer and then also as a violist with Castle of Our Skins. Mm-hmm. Um, as an administrator, as an as a artistic and executive director with Castle of Our Skins, I had to also then think of what that meant for everyone else within the organization. Meanwhile, I was 
paralyzed and trying to just physically process and figure out what I I could do just as a human being, first Mm -hmm. of all, before I start um, putting oxygen masks on and everyone else that's around me. So that that was a very difficult time when it when it first happened, and um, still obviously feeling the effects of it now. A lot of teaching opportunities for summer festivals and things like that have also fall, fallen by the wayside. Next season is a very loose jigsaw puzzle of things, um, so we're we're just trying to enter the digital space like everybody else and sort of figure out what to do um, until we can better process. How quickly did you? Uh, get onto the virtual space to teach and speak to your students or whatever you were doing? Yeah, well, I, I was teaching a, coaching a chamber group at Longy. So Longy, in terms of an institution, took a, an extended spring break to sort of figure out what kind of digital space they could occupy and how that could work. That was really the only teaching that I was doing. Mm. And then with Castle of Our Skins, we were able to, with various presenters, figure out the Brady Bunch multi-tracked video performances that everyone has seen at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, how we can how we can do that for a few of our projects, and um, it, it, as another kind of reinvention for for Castle of Our Skins, we've also just thought instead of trying to salvage necessarily what we were originally planning to do for this season, we will just literally create a new season. Yeah. So we we've, we've created content that's really born out of needing to occupy a digital space. So uh, Anthony Green, my, my co-founder, came up with a really great idea to have miniature challenges to composers who identify as being black from the African diaspora. 30-second little miniatures for viola and piano, some combination, um, 18 submissions from South Africa and, and Canada and England that, and all over the U.S. That's the Black Composer Miniature Challenge? Is that what that is? Black, black Composer Miniature Challenge every Friday at noon. Yeah. Uh, through September fourth, so we have <laughs> we have programming through September fourth. That's great. Thirty second, you know, increments. Um, you know, necess- well. necessity is the mother of invention. So you gotta. It, it, it very much. It very much is. And you know, and you know, so many friends of mine had just come out with an album and had to cancel their entire tour, or you know, they were going overseas, and you know, you know, never mind the whole uh, festival circuit. You know, it's it's unprecedented. Everyone just had to, kind of had to wing it, and I think everyone did okay. I mean, what yeah, else are you supposed we're to do? Sector, and that's what we do by design to kind of wing things and figure it out, build it as we fly. Hmm. I have been impressed with a lot of the creativity that has come out, uh, and you had mentioned Cara Elliot Ortega and weekly check-in calls with various arts in- institutions as well as independent artists. Since um, really this this struck. Boston, uh, and every every week there's new ideas and or ways to organize and just a huge amount of outpouring support for one another, hmm. which is also really heartening to see uh, people being quite generous to share resources and to share ideas and to m- more importantly share this very crammed digital space that we're all in. So now, is there a end game where you feel you're going to get back to? the new normal, whatever that is, is there like, all right, well, I'm anticipating I'll start to be able to play, you know, we'll start to be able to have some concerts in the fall, or are you not even approaching that kind of mindset? Yeah, so for our season, digital programming through 
the end of summer basically is, is what we have. Founders chats with other Black-led arts organizations, Kids Corner storytime reading session with picture books by Black characters, and tomorrow, Thursday, uh, poetry session with various favorite Black poets that we have um, already established relationships with. Mm-hmm. So our, our sort of summer season is, is set digitally. Uh, November at Hibernian Hall, we're going to be doing a project exploring in various ways the theme of Black love and would love to do a digital marketplace with other Black vendors um, to kind of curate lists that can help support their business as well. Mm-hmm. Do a live streamed, maybe perform this in front of an empty hall and live stream it. Or if November things are honky dory, we can invite people in. But that's sort of our first public performing experience. And then January is a rescheduled concert at the Phillips Collection in DC, which will be getting on a plane, preferably the first time in a long time, mm-hmm. performing in person. All right, good, good. One of the things that I've kind of talked to other musicians about is, you know, this kind of isolation that we've all been feeling, not being able to go to concerts and see other people and even just like give someone a hug, you know, or Mm -hmm. even see their Mm -hmm. faces, for God's sakes. And while that is terrible, I've kind of gotten the feeling it's almost a little good for the soul. It kind of it kind of puts a an exclamation point on like what we kind of take for granted what we, you know, mm-hmm. you see what you miss, you see why you miss it, but you start. You also people have started to like be more creative, be more introspective. Have you found this to be at all an introspective time for you? Yes, there there definitely have been various emotions and and various spaces that I've occupied since this uh, really all started in March. Yeah, one which was very early on, just again this paralyzed feeling of what what is going on and so much coming at me and, and finding it difficult to process mm-hmm. to um, feeling like I just don't want to do anything, having zero motivation to, yeah. to like do literally anything um, to then realizing more about myself and exploring Buddhism from a board member who was dropping some podcasts on me and doing some reading and um, exercising, trying to, um, learn if, if I wanted to, trying to relax if I wanted to, which is very difficult for a workaholic. Yeah. Have you been and playing a lot? I, I have been playing sort of sporadically hmm. and I'm, I'm actually fine with that hmm. uh, because there have been other things. One being, being with a partner has, has been great to have more time to spend together and have more time to think and, and develop ideas, challenge each other in, in healthy ways, that kind of thing. So priorities for me have also shifted because hmm. uh, I have, more time and really more more playtime. If if my performing self, in terms of an identity, is on hold, then there's way other things about my identity that I can um, invest in in this point. So, trying to capitalize more on the other sides of myself that I've maybe neglected for the who knows how many decades. Yeah. Um, because the performing self will will have her time to shine again. Excellent. Well, we miss your viola playing. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> So, okay, so I do want to talk about the, the recent protests. One of the um, talking points that I've heard is that these protests seem different from any of the protests we've had, certainly recently. I mean, correct me if you don't, if you don't agree with me. Certainly recently, in the longevity of them, how big they are. You know, I'm a history major, but I'm not, 
maybe as well-versed as I should be. I don't think the United States has seen protests like this since the 60s, this across the nation like that, if even you can compare the two. I, I wanted to talk to you, like, what are your thoughts on just the, the reaction? Are you feeling optimistic? Are you feeling empowered? Are you feeling... There's a lot in there um, in this in this time period. I uh, many this will just sort of be a ramble, but that's fine. That's my I rambled, so you can ramble now. <laughs> there's there's just a, a lot that I've been, have been thinking about. Le- just last week, I, I organized a quartet to play at a at a Black Lives Matter rally in Franklin Park. Mm-hmm. Thousands and thousands, literally just a sea of people who mm. who showed up to to um, attend this. In 2016, this the same group called Play for Justice, performing music in, in solidarity for um, Charleston Massacre was our, was our right. first one that we did in reaction to. Handful, maybe, of people, um, not that we needed an audience, certainly, but a handful of people to, to show up, maybe several dozen, um, to move, go from that to thousands, thousands, tens of thousands of people um, is definitely very, very heartening to be able to see that, that kind of turnout. Certainly with the nature of everyone being so isolated and and cautious and in their home in in some kind of isolated state it felt like this could be something to really galvanize around and i think that led to such a a large turnout people craving something to do uh, to be able to come out for this For, for me it was a different perspective than 2016 charleston massacre being being very active as a musician, organizing and, and attending lots of protests. Um, I, I find I find that I have grown to, to not necessarily need the um, reaction of coming together in a, with a large group of people, carrying signs. That, that for me isn't as effective for me at, anymore. Mm-hmm. More so my state of being right now is is what policies and conversations and if i have this platform how can i use my voice to challenge and uh, be unapologetic in very white spaces as opposed to placating in those white spaces but be very unapologetic and enact policies within my within my sphere and certainly as a citizen so in the arts sphere and then as a citizen what can i do so i feel like i i have personally had a had a shift about what kind of energy and in the most efficient way I can be a contributor to the protest, how I can show my, my protest, my advocacy. Um, but I, I am heartened by a lot of the, a lot of the other people who are also taking up arms. I didn't necessarily see so many other people voicing dissent or challenging in, in challenging solidarity statements, for instance, that, that a lot of arts communities have, have uh, released I don't remember seeing, first of all, those solidarity statements, and I don't remember seeing so many people have have pushbacks and questioning and um, asking and not really asking, but demanding for more information. So I feel like there's there's more energy, there's more people in the fight, um, and with more people in the fight, I'm I'm hopeful that that energy can actually lead into to some action. You know, I think I think we've kind of hit a. Between the COVID, between the murder of George Floyd, and between the the election coming up, I mean, this is all kind of coming at the same time. I, I wonder what would have happened if we weren't so close to the election. Like, like, I'm hoping that this kind of 
movement is, and it seems to be, is just only starting to gain speed. And I like how you said that about, you know, what specifically you can do. Anyone can just hold a sign and, and um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but I like how you said that. And you just recently wrote that article, Insanity, um, mm-hmm. which was excellent article. And I think, to your point, it's really about the minutiae and the specifics. And that starts with language, mm-hmm. and it starts with um, perspective. Perspective, yeah. So I'm, I'm getting my master's in public history. We talk all the time about about civil rights. We talk about language a lot. It's not they're not slaves. They're enslaved peoples. It's all mm-hmm. it's very specific and very eye opening for me. You know, it was interesting how you know no board of overseers and mm-hmm. doing outreach. I mean innocuous sounding words but they're not and yeah the, the, the connotations there are conscious and unconscious depends on who you ask yeah right yeah, yeah that's true they're, they're very loaded words so being extremely mindful about how you speak listening more than you speak first of all but also being mindful about how you speak when you do speak mm. and you know and the thing is because i don't mean to keep on bashing trump but i'd love to do it um you know words have become unimportant to him anyways, and on the other side of that, it shows you how important words are. Just using words and not and not putting any importance on them, that's when they lose meaning. I never thought of overseers as a trigger word. I don't know, it's, it's very interesting, it's very yeah. interesting, and, and, yeah. and, it's, and it's not part of the conversation, which, which is fantastic, I think. Which, which is fantastic, and, and while, while it may seem uh, like splitting hairs, or it may seem like, like sort of minutiae details, it is really about the, the framing and whether or not it's an intentional framing, but certainly how it's perceived. And if you're not aware of either how you're framing it or how it's perceived, then of course there's gonna be miscommunication and um, adverse effects. So I, I do think that, again, there's, there's more awareness now and certainly not to say that there haven't been articles and, and conferences and discussions for generations and generations yeah. building awareness. But it's it's definitely um, bottlenecked and sort of exploded. I think mm. um, at this point. My last question here: uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's the electric, he's the lead guitarist for Rage Against the Machine. He got called out recently by a fan who said, "Look, I don't want to hear. I, 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 I listen to music to escape. I don't need to hear your politics when you're playing your music." What did they think Rage Against the Machine was about? <laughs> were they, was it Rage Against the Dishwasher? You know, it was like, it's like, what did they think they were doing? I, I heard the same thing a couple of years ago when they do go see Ro- Roger Waters. And like, mm-hmm. Roger Waters, he's so political. I'm like, he's always been political. What do you... So it's, I, I find that um, ironic. I mean, to, to try to think that we are, we are isolated, we are um, neatly tied up and wrapped into a certain category as though a musician cannot be a citizen as, a, as though a musician cannot be an, an intellectual and, and have a sense of, of political identity right. or have, have beliefs. Or an <laughs> and, athlete or an actor or whatever, right. yeah. Or, or an athlete or, or the um, sort of intersection of all of those things that mm-hmm. they aren't important and holistic for that person. Right. All right. Well, I just wanted to throw that out because that was, that was coming out today and, you know, it's just some of the idiocy that, that rises to the top that uh, I hope eventually does goes away well thank you for this ash i really appreciate your time and um good luck the next couple months um i hope to see you playing live and um and you're doing great work i really appreciate it 
Thank you, and thank you for your donation. I finally got a chance to process all of those things. Oh, great! No worries. I'm, I'm happy. We're happy to do it, and any way we can help you guys, let me know. Mm -hmm. We're happy to help you spread the word. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Ash, for all your amazing work and for supporting music and art in the city of Boston. You can see and listen to Ash at violash.com. That's V-I-O-L-A-S-H-E.com. And you can also learn more about Castle of Our Skins and donate to support the project at castleofourskins.org. Go to AboveTheBasement.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. <laughs>